Hey everybody, welcome to the Musician's Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Mark, and today I had a really fun interview with my good friend, Aaron Coburn. Aaron Coburn is a singer-songwriter, monster guitarist from Cincinnati, Ohio, but she's getting out all over the place, and uh, I'm going to go on record and say, mark my words, she's going to be a household name within the next three years. She's probably already a household name among a lot of people, but I met her when we played together at the Cigar Box Festival down here in New Orleans back in January. But she's all over the place. Seriously, go check her out, erincoburn.com. As usual, please leave us a rating or review if you're enjoying these. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Erin Coburn. All right, Erin Coburn, thank you so much for joining us on the Musician's Mentor Podcast. How are you doing? Doing great. Super, super glad to be here. Woohoo! All right, we're going to jump straight into it. And um, what I typically do with every guest I have is I ask them to just give us a formal introduction as to who you are, what you're currently up to, and what you've done. And I will still do a like a introduction post the interview, but this is just so our listeners kind of know where you're coming from rather than me telling them what they should know. Absolutely. Well, hi, my name is Erin Coburn. I am a Cincinnati, Ohio-based artist, but I tour and travel all around the United States. Hopefully, uh, Europe soon. <laughs> but um, I grew up playing the blues. Uh, I started playing guitar when I was uh, seven years old, and um, I've been playing it ever since, and I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, I grew up playing the blues and was known as a blues artist. Um, I'm breaking more into rock recently and kind of playing around with that. But I've opened for artists such as Marcus King, um, Government, is Government Mule, yeah, Government Mule, some big, bigger names, and uh, it's just, it's been a, a wild ride. And I also run a recording studio in Cincinnati, Ohio, called The Coop, and I do my own engineering, mixing, and mastering on my uh, albums. And yeah, I've got three albums out, and I'm working on the fourth right now. And let's kind of go back here a little. So seven years yeah. old, how did you yeah. decide guitar? Like, was somebody in your family? into guitar was there a guitar line around you picked it up and was just like oh well this is my thing what what happened there yeah so well my um my mom got my dad a guitar for their anniversary um before i was even born like one of their one of their wedding anniversaries and um when I was two, I found that guitar in the corner somewhere because my dad was not playing it and I claimed it as my own. So I, I don't really say I started playing when I was two because it was just a bunch of noise. <laughs> but um, that's kind of what introduced me. I, I, you know, I found that this strange giant acoustic guitar in, our, in my own living room when I was two. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. There's videos of me playing um, that acoustic guitar, kind of like an upright bass because it was so much bigger than I was. <laughs> Um, and it was, it was funny. Uh, I'll have to find that, but yeah, um, that's kind of how that got, you know, introduced to me guitar was, but, um, my parents also, uh, always had like Prince on the TV, like on DVD and like, um, Joe Satriani, like it was a big, a big one. I was so just like in awe at Joe Satriani and as a, as a, you know, young child, I thought he was just incredible. And so I guess that's kind of what would brood the guitar player. 
And now, not to jump ahead too far, even though I'm I'm probably jumping ahead too far. Didn't you land <laughs> a plane on. with Joe um, in Vegas or something last year? I think I saw a picture. Yeah, I, I didn't get to play with him, but I was at the G4 experience um, and I, you know, was able to watch him play and, and learn a lot from him, which was just extraordinary. It was it was a dream come true. So it was like a full circle moment. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, you, you'll play with him eventually. I guarantee it. After seeing you, so. you guys and, so. and your band at that Cigar Fest, I have zero doubt. You're going to be uh, one of, you, you. you're going to be one of the, the guitar heroes. It's, it's just a oh matter my. of time. You just got to keep. You just got to keep doing your thing. It's going to happen. I, I, well, I don't doubt it for a second. So, I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, so in doing my research, you recorded your debut album at 14. I think so. It was debut 12. I think it's 13. I think I recorded it when I was 13. 14, yes. Okay, so, I mean, that's crazy young. I mean, obviously, back in the day, you hear stories about like artists like Michael Jackson recording at five and, and things yeah. like that. But while we have Instagram and there's a lot of like these like young viral musicians and stuff, a lot of them, at least again, from a stereotypical point of view, a lot of them aren't working on records and stuff yet at that sort of age. Yeah. So talk us through where your head was at at that age, because obviously you've learned a lot since then. But I would just love to, if you think you can remember, mm-hmm. tell us what <laughs> you were thinking. Like, were you just doing it from a... I'm going to just make some music and put it out there. Or were you doing it from a, like, were you already thinking about trying to be an artist and getting your songs played? Were people, were you wanting people to listen to them? What what was your mindset? Yeah. So um, I was in, I think high school, or maybe I think it was coming out of middle school when I was recording this album. And um, I, I, my original plan, like for at least a career-wise, was to be a neurobiologist because I loved uh, the show The Big Bang Theory, and Amy Farrah Fowler was my favorite like character, and she was a neurobiologist in that show, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So that was my original plan. Music wasn't even like thought of as far as like full-time job, um, but uh, this was like the transition kind of. Um, besides my guitar, my, my guitar teacher was bringing me to his shows as well, and like that kind of was like opening my eyes at like, wow, you can make money from this and like, you know, live off of this. It's just kind of wild. Um, and you get to connect with people while you do it. That's, that's even, even cooler. So I guess like, like the album was the turning point when I really buckled down professionally, I think, because I, I was having, you know, I was going to shows and, and, and playing shows with my guitar teacher, my, my, my mentor and getting a couple of my own shows and playing open jams and stuff a lot. Um, but the album is definitely what opened that up. And I had I had a good group of musicians with me. Um, at the time, I was learning a lot from them. I had found them at open jam sessions. And uh, so they were the ones I went into the studio with, along with my mentor, too, my guitar mentor. And it was definitely a learning experience. Like, my headspace with that album versus, like, the other ones was really different. I guess every album, it was really different because I was growing up as yeah. I was recording them. But, yeah, I... I was learning. It was more like a learning experience to me. I, it, when it was, it was something. It was something different. You know, like here, like expressing yourself on stage, even as like a young artist, is so different than like someone saying, "All right, express yourself," and you know, on a on a recording. You know, like there's no audience to connect to. You have to kind of get in a different headspace. So it was definitely, definitely a different experience. And I think, you know, I was thinking a lot about 
who I wanted to be and like who I wanted to sound like versus like who I was. Cause you know, when you're that young, like you don't think about who I, who, who am I right now? You know? And like, like, am I being true to who I want to be versus, you know, you see so many cool people that are living your dream. Like you want to be exactly them, you know, copy paste. So, um, I think I was definitely fighting that <laughs> when I was recording that album, but, but I mean, it was, yeah, it was a different, different experience recording the first album when I was that young. So, yeah. 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 And different headspace. Like, like you say, you know, I think thinking back to, to being that age, I was, I was thankfully playing as well. I wasn't making albums. I think I made the first band I was in, we recorded our first album. I think I was 16, but the same thing, you know, like listening back to that now, when I do, which is not very often, I've got to be honest, but, (laughs) but when I do, I sometimes think I can totally hear where I was stealing my influences from, you know? Yeah. And like, and I think to touch on something you just spoke about, it's like when you start realizing that you can find your own voice, Mm -hmm. it's such a cool feeling. It's, it's, it it always kind of, um, really interests me, like, because you start finding this voice and you try and put it out there. And when I say voice, I'm not talking about the singing voice for, for listeners. I'm talking about like your artistry, your, who you're trying to be, what you're trying to put out. But the funny thing for me, when you do that, especially if it's not instantly comparable, people mm-hmm. go, oh, you know, I, I don't know if I like it because of this or, oh, I like it because it sounds like that. And it's like, it's weird. You're trying to do your own thing. You're not trying to be somebody else anymore, you know? Exactly. Even when you make EPK kits, I mean, people want to know, what do you sound like? Like, yeah. and you have, you have to list like five or six bands, but you're, you know, it's hard doing that, especially when you're trying, like, like you said, you're trying to be, you know, original and authentic i mean i guess nothing is really original in this world but like the way you blend things together creates an entirely something you know new completely it's like a stew or a soup you know yeah yeah and i know you said it's not about the voice it's about like you know finding the artistry but um i actually recently started taking some new vocal classes uh for like harder rock metal vocals yeah and you know, that's a really hard thing to do. It's such a, it's so different than like, you know, like classical training. Like I had, I had some classical training and like soul training in, in singing, like, like vocal techniques and stuff. But now I'm, you know, going to this harder rock, like metal side of things too, with vocals. And what they always stress is your voice is never going to sound like, you know, Corey Taylor or never going to sound like, you know, any like Maria from, um, oh, what is that band? What is that band? I know who you're talking about. Yeah, from in this moment. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yes. Like, you can't, like, especially with these vocals, because, like, the way that you have to move everything that's going on in your, in your body, like, anatomically is, like, not, not going to match someone else's body. And so it's, I, I think I'm back in the stage where I have to keep accepting, like, okay, this is my voice. How can I make this shine versus trying to cover it up and, you know, like paint another picture on top of it? Yeah. You know, it goes, it goes, you know, along with everything that you do in the music industry. And as an artist, you're always trying to either convince yourself to be someone else or like really hone in on, you know, what you're, what you're trying to, to get across and, and just accept, you know, the tools that you have. Totally. And, and I think, you know, just, just to completely butt in here, I think for anyone listening, like something I've learned along the way is like, it's not a bad thing to be different. You know, you don't have to be like everybody else. And, and like you just said, if you can accept that and understand that it's okay, that not everybody's into what you do, 
that's totally cool because for like it's no different to like relationships and friendships and stuff you're gonna find people who like you you're gonna find people who don't sometimes people gel sometimes they don't music's no different you're gonna put something out there somebody's gonna love it somebody's gonna hate it it's like you really see it on the the big scale with like some of these pop artists because like you look at someone like taylor swift for example and there's always like i always just see so much hate online like when she puts something out and it blows my mind but then you have to realize that for that percentage of hate that's kind of aimed towards her yeah there's also a much larger percentage of love so it's like it's going to be no different for any artist it just depends on your level where you're at the percentage of what that's going to be you know absolutely yeah i mean different people connect with with different things so exactly So uh, tell us about some of the the biggest challenges or the hardest challenges you've had to face so far, especially at your age, uh, in regards to trying to get out there and being taken seriously as an artist. Yeah, um, well, <laughs> that that those challenges started like the moment I was performing out live. You know, um, when I was I was a young female artist playing the blues, which there's not a lot of young young females playing the blues. I mean, there's definitely some great ones, but there's not compared to, you know, the, the men in the industry, there's really not a lot. Yeah. So there's a lot of struggles that come with that and a lot of obstacles to overcome. And a lot of them are mental. Um, but no, I mean, I had a lot of people saying like, oh, like you can't play guitar or I get the compliment, well, not even compliment, but the compliment in quotation marks, wow, you play really good for a girl, <laughs> like all the time. I still get that. But when I was younger, that used to like throw me for a loop, man. Of I was course. like, what do they mean by that? Like, I don't, I don't get it. You know, um, it was always so strange. And, um, you know, that's, that's always been an obstacle. Even now, you know, I've had labels reach out to me, um, recently and some of them say like oh yeah we like they just come out and say yeah we need a woman on the on the uh the roster roster." i'm like um okay is that all is that the why is that why you're reaching out (laughs) because there's like a lot of women on this earth but um yeah it's there's still those those struggles as far as that goes but um yeah i think and then just being a young artist too, like breaking out into shows, you know, a lot of people think, Oh, you have to pay to play. And I've never paid to play a show. And I definitely want to keep it that way because I think, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, of, of that. <laughs> Cause I, especially like getting respect, like in, you know, in your hometown too, you know, when I was younger, I had the hardest time getting respect with some of the, like the, the societies that were, you know, music societies in my hometown um, they, they just wouldn't support me. And I, I, I had no idea why, um, they were always supporting the same exact people, you know, like whether, especially like blues, you know, they were always supporting the same exact blues artists and never supporting young up and coming blues artists because it wasn't traditional. And that's another thing I've struggled with. And that's why I've kind of gotten out of the blues or at least calling myself a blues artist, because so many people are like, if I play, you know, if my if my guitar tone is is too too distorted you know or or you know the it's too high tempo they'll be like oh that's not blues or you know that's that doesn't sound like traditional blues but you know there's a lot of like gatekeepers yeah um when it comes to genres and that's why i've chosen rock because you know it's kind of helped me overcome those obstacles of people like constantly trying to put a box around everything that i put out there so now it's 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 uh yeah it's helped it's helped me overcome that obstacle but those those have been some of the biggest obstacles um that i've kind of 
tried to overcome uh, throughout the years of being an artist and being a musician. So, but yeah, I mean, once, once we left um, Ohio, like left Cincinnati and I played my first out of town gig, you know, it was crazy. The, the response that we got that wasn't in my hometown when I was younger. And then I came back to my hometown and it was an even better response because we left. So I don't know how that, <laughs> how that happened or why that was, but um, yeah, the, those were the, those were the, some of the things that I had to get over mentally too. Cause I'm like, man, like why is this happening? And you know, why, why aren't people supporting, you know, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. super weird, you know, cause like that seems to be a pattern with a lot of people I've spoken to over the years. And it's like, it's almost like you've got to leave to come back to be celebrated, you know? Yes. It's like the moment you've started to make a name for yourself or do something. It's not just musicians. It's anybody, you know? It's like, you know, so-and-so wants to go and be an actor and they leave their yeah. hometown, go to Hollywood and become star. And then suddenly that whole town names a street after them and there's a there's a day dedicated to them. And you go like, man, how, look, look at Van Gogh. He's such a great example. It's like... Yeah. Most people would never afford a piece of his art now, but this guy was starving and almost homeless and riddled with mental issues when he was alive. It's crazy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I I have to ask about this because I met your folks um, backstage at the Cigar Box Festival and yes. it instantly took me back. When I was a, a kid playing music, and, and please don't take that in a condescending anyway, I'm not trying to say nope, that nope, about not you. not at all. But when I was, <laughs> so I was, I was gigging at like 15, 16, and typically you weren't allowed to get into the venues. So my folks had to take me, and I would have yep. to sit outside, and then I was allowed to go in and play, and then the moment I finished playing, I had to come back out. And like exactly. talking to your mom, I didn't get to talk to your dad that much, but talking to your mom, it instantly reminded me of that situation. So I want to talk yeah. a little bit about how important do you think it is to have supportive parents when you are trying to become a musician? Because not everybody has that luxury. And secondly, um, how has having their support helped you try and navigate so far in this super crazy industry? Yeah. So... I, I do think having supportive parents or at least like friends, just having someone in your court because this industry, like nothing is regulated. So you can get screwed over super easily. You can, you know, overthink tons of things. You can always, there's always that question, like, am I doing the right thing? And having someone, whether it's your parents or a sibling or like a friend, like they're saying like, you've got this, like you're doing the right thing. Like, I really appreciate what you're doing in this industry helps tremendously and you know for me it was my parents and i i'm st and it still is and they're amazing like i don't know what i would do without them <laughs> because they've they've helped so much i mean my dad just helped me build my recording studio um like he built out the walls and did the soundproofing and stuff and i could not be more grateful to him because that's opened so many doors for my career but uh yeah having having support of someone um really really makes a difference uh, yeah. What was what was the second question? <laughs> I was, you've pretty much covered it, but I was going to say, how has it helped you like navigate, like having that support? How has it helped you navigate your career so far? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it just goes back to that whole like second guessing thing, you know, am I doing the right thing? And, you know, yeah, they've, they've been big and saying, yeah, I mean, look at all these people. Like my mom always reminds me, she's like, look, look at all these people that you've connected with. I'm like, yeah, like you're right. And it's never like, it's never the question that I'm asking, like, oh, should I quit? It's just the question, like, am I doing 
this to the best of my like ability. Like, am I, am I really performing like the best I possibly can? So yeah, they've, they've been great when it comes to that. Amazing. Good on you, Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Coburn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about your band members. How did you guys all meet? And I know you're on the road a lot. So yeah. how do you kind of keep awareness when it comes to everybody's need for their personal space, especially when you're spending that much time together? <laughs> That's a good question because I can get really annoying on the road. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so um, the people that travel with me the most, so I swap out some of my bass players because sometimes they have um, things they have to do and, um, you know, they one of them was going to school, so I had to get a couple, you know, in the stable. Um, my main bass player is Tim. Um, he is just crazy good and he's actually a drummer too, so he's got a good, good pocket going on, um, Tim Garner. And... Um, I met him like, I don't even know. I I'm probably, this is probably totally wrong, but like seven months ago, I think like or eight months ago, I don't know. Pretty recently. Um, I don't remember. Maybe it was a year ago. I think it was a year. I don't know. I can't, can't keep things straight, straight, but <laughs> I met him pretty recently. Um, and he's just been fantastic. He's, he's great to travel on the road with. He's got a positive outlook on everything. He, he helps my drummer like set up. He's also like drum teching too. Um, so it's, it's great. Uh, my drummer has been with me for like six or seven years, I think. That's I think cool. um, a long time. And he's also my best friend in the whole wide world. Um, Brandon Pettiford. He's amazing. Um, but yeah, he, he's a, uh, he, he also has a really positive outlook on everything. And, you know, we actually we lived together for four months in Cleveland. Uh, we were when when the pandemic like struck, we were studying at a recording studio and learning um, Pro Tools and how to mix and master together. So we lived together for four months. So we actually got that whole balance of uh, not annoying each other down pretty well because <laughs> it changes when you live in the same house. But uh, I always say that our, our van that we tour in is like our little house on wheels too. Like we don't sleep in there, but we're in it for so much time. So, you know, it feels like we're all living together. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as keeping a good attitude and like making sure that we all like respect each other's personal space, um, I think we do a pretty good job of that. Headphones are, are really, really good at, <laughs> at helping that. Um, like when we get in the van, uh, we'll just put our headphones on usually for like four or five hours. And then when we need, when we need to talk to each other, we'll, we'll come out of there and we'll play like evil apples. I don't know if you've ever played that game, but no. it's so much fun. It's kind of like cards against humanity, but like much, much more inappropriate. Um, so it makes for really, really fun car rides with lots of laughs. Uh, but yeah. And then my mom, she drives. So, um, I, I constantly annoy her, but, uh, she plays the evil apples with us too, but not, not while she's driving, but you know, <laughs> it's it's fun but we, we keep a good a good balance as far as social time and quiet time in the van um except when caffeine comes on board then it's just super loud um but <laughs> again, are, you, are you all caffeine drinkers or always one party more guilty than the other um well tim our bass player drinks like the celsius is quite a bit like he's he usually powers energy drinks but he it doesn't make him like wild, you know, which is nice. Brandon doesn't really drink caffeine as much um, and is not affected by it 
I, on the other hand, am the problem person of the van. Um, I will load up on matcha. I just, I'm obsessed with it. I love matcha. So we try to go to these, like, it's the best. And, like, so we try to go to these coffee shops and I try to find, like, the best, like, unsweetened matcha with coconut milk. And that just lights me up like a firework. And, um, the yeah the volume level of the van goes up the the energy level goes up everyone's just like screaming it's it's a good time um <laughs> yeah <laughs> do, do you allow your mother to wear um like sort of oscillating earphones there <laughs> oh yeah she has her own headphones too yeah, so if I get yeah cause cause, she yeah. Uh, she's she's doing a great job she's incredible she drove 18 hours in one day from uh from texas to cincinnati because it was i think it was during like the pandemic so or like right when it was coming in so we had to like our, our shows got canceled we had to drive back so 18 hours in one day it was ridiculous that's like, amazing prof- professional drivers don't even do that but yeah yeah, she she she's incredible, and uh, she does have noise canceling earbuds that uh, are her saving grace when it comes to caffeine <laughs> in the van. <laughs> what are what are some of your your kind of road slash touring tips? So you got any do's or don'ts? Wills, won'ts? Eat this, yeah. don't eat this. Uh, what do you guys or what are you in particular? What do you do to stay healthy on the road, etc., etc., etc. Absolutely. Um, I'm a huge advocate for health and um, like mental health and also like physical health, but how those two things kind of coincide. I definitely believe that what you eat um, will you know, make you feel either great or not good. (laughs) So, and also make you put on a good show or not a good show. Um, So I actually, I, I took... I, w- I was studying under Judy Stakey for a little bit, and she she's like a songwriter that worked with Katy Perry a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, I know who she is. Yeah, awesome. And so she was, you know, stressing the importance of, you know, if you eat right, you're going to write great songs. If you if you eat right, you're going to put on great performances. If if you eat, you know, not so good, you're not going to feel good. So you're not going to write good stuff or you know perform good things. So. I totally believe that. So when we're on the road, uh, we don't normally eat out at like fast food restaurants. Like I, I don't go into McDonald's. I don't go to Wendy's. Uh, just not my vibe. <laughs> so we will. I try to find like local, like like local um, coffee shops and local businesses or sandwich shops and stuff. Because um, one, we get to support local businesses, and and two, they usually have like a lot of like much healthier like homemade things on their menus. So. Um, and that honestly, like I've seen a difference in, you know, if we do have to eat somewhere unhealthy, I've seen a difference in like the performances with me and my band. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the big things is trying to, trying to stay on top of it as far as eating healthy and not just like salads, but like, you know, healthy fats and all that stuff. I could go into it, but oh yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, listen, a, I'm a geek when yeah, it comes to that. Me too. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I think, I think it's just a, you know, there must be something in like the musician or the creative brain that yeah. like. I don't want to use the word obsessive, but like when something interests you and I, and this might be for everybody, but I typically talk to musicians more than anything else. And it's like, we definitely seem to get like really into something, you know, you're into yeah. something and you want to know everything about it and you want to know who started it and why this works like this and blah, blah, blah. At least that's how I've always been too. So it's like, I get it yeah. with the food thing, pretty similar, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah, obsessive is a great word for it. I mean, my parents call me that all the time, so <laughs> I, can, I can relate to that. Yeah, we also we have a we travel with a hula hoop sometimes too, and um, I bring 
what did I bring last time? I brought like booty bands and stuff, like the resistance bands. Yeah. So sometimes when we get out at rest stops, or we have a football too, we have a football. Uh, when we get out of rest stops, we'll like throw the football and like just try to get active and play around a little bit because that's, oh, it's so nice being out in the fresh air. <laughs> yeah. And also like sitting for 18 hours isn't exactly yeah. helpful for anybody, you know? No, <laughs> definitely what, not. What about like any disastrous road stories? Can you tell us any? Ooh, let me think about that. Hmm. That, that, that can be from a, either a performance point of view, a gear breaking yes. point of view, a van breaking down point of view, uh, yeah. took the wrong turn and ended up in the wrong city point of view. It can be anything, you know? Definitely. Um, let me think about this. Lately, things, knock on wood, have been pretty smooth. Good. <laughs> but I do remember, I've told this story a couple of times, but it, it gosh, uh, when I was opening for Marcus King in Michigan, um, it was Kalamazoo State Theater, I'm pretty sure. And I, this is back when I used to wear dresses and heels, like when I played shows, and I don't do that stuff anymore um because i can't move around and without you know having a wardrobe malfunction or trying to worry about all that stuff and blah, blah, blah. but anyway <laughs> so um I, this is back when i wore um dresses and heels on stage and i was ripping a guitar solo and my heel got caught on my dress and i like went down like it was like boom like hard on the stage you hear the whole audience like <gasps> and it was like a really big audience like there were so many people and my, my band you know they kept playing because like we're trained to do this good stuff, band <laughs> I mean, yes, no disrespect, yes. but good band. Exactly. I was like, I, I was glad that they kept going, but uh, I got back up and it was all good. But oh my gosh, it was so embarrassing. And uh, that that's def- it still sticks in my mind. It was so long ago. Like I feel like, man, that was. I don't even. I don't remember what year that was, but that was that was a while ago, and it still sticks in my brain. So, yeah, that's that's one of the I guess one of the disa- disastrous road stories i can share i'm sure there's others i know there's others. Uh, there's bound to be i guarantee we hang up later and you'll think of like yeah. a thousand yeah they'll all flood in at the same time i, I <laughs> yeah i can't think of anything else at the moment <laughs> man i tell you heels on stage when when i think about that and obviously i don't personally wear heels but but <laughs> when i think of bands like kiss yeah like have you ever watched any early like 70s footage well early footage of kiss it's usually from like the mid to late 70s where yeah, they're in the like bike. these platform yeah. boots and they are jumping around like freaking madmen. yeah it's like yeah it hurts my feet <laughs> wow and well i mean you think of prince i mean prince had all those hip issues because of the platform and the dancing and, and all that kind of stuff but it's like yeah. i just it blows my mind to think that like some of these glam rockers i'm not saying it's uh, it, you know, obviously anybody, but some of these like glam rock guys back in the day, they were like big buff dudes wearing these yeah. like 10 inch heels. <laughs> and you go like, yeah. Jesus, dude. It's impressive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, work. it really is, you know. Yeah, it's a calf workout for like however, like a 90 minute set, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you take into account how many sta- uh, stages are unstable and you add heels to that. It's not, yeah. it's, 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 it's almost a... It's almost like a health hazard, you know? There's a oh, health and safety sure. hazard coming on there, you know? For sure. It's a it's a total stunt, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's um let's change um path here a little bit. Let's talk about your songwriting. Yeah. What's your writing process like? And talk to me a little bit about your process in regards to 
Do you create within your band setting or do you create away from the band and then take the song to the band? And not to make it too long-winded of a question, but let's say you go with the latter and you decide I'm going to write this song within the band. Mm -hmm. Without trying to get too much into your personal business here, how do you go about splitting rights on this, both mastering and publishing? Because I know that this is kind of different for everybody and different band. Uh, Mm -hmm. What's your process? Yeah, so typically um, I write all the own, all of my own stuff and then I'll take it to the band after it's released and say, or before a little bit before it's released and say, learn this. Um, that's actually how it's been up until like two weeks ago. Um, I started writing with my bass player, Tim, um, because he is genius at writing drum parts, like using like MIDI keyboards because I don't have my drum, like my drum set up right now in the studio. And uh, yeah, he's been, like, it's been a game changer because... Like I, I was, I was programming the drums, but I'm not a drummer. So I don't think like a drummer <laughs> and I wish I did. Cause I think it's awesome. And it's a literally a super skill, but, uh, yeah, having, having him come in and, and, you know, do these drums and even like we we're bouncing more ideas back and forth and I'm finding it. It's one of my favorite writing environments I've ever been in. Like I've co-written with people before, like a lot of people before. Um, and actually none of those songs have come out yet, but I, I've co-written with them and it felt fine but it wasn't like wow there's like sparks flying everywhere and like there's like crazy things going on and like we're screaming because we're so excited and there's you know that there's just a total different different energy in the room um and that's how it's been with tim so um we are actually as far as splits go we are splitting things 50 50 for the most part there's some songs that will probably you know change our splits and we're really good about talking openly about hey i think i should get 45 or i should get this much or you know it's it's really really great to be able to openly talk about that and uh, not kind of shy away from that. Um, and then um, I'm trying to remember what else you, I forgot the other parts. <laughs> no, no, you, 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 again, you pretty much covered it, you know, I haven't had my caffeine today. <laughs> I always think it's super interesting to talk about that. And I know that like anybody who's listened to like maybe more than 10 episodes of this podcast probably goes, this dude always asks that same question, but it's like, it's a good it's, question. well, it's so important because like, you know, I, I do a lot of co-writes and I'm, I'm super happy and blessed to say that I can do that. But yeah. some people never want to talk about that. And it's like yeah. you'll finish a song and then suddenly they'll be like, well, cool. So I wrote that. And you'd be like, uh, did you though? Because yeah. uh, you really didn't. And then like, then it's awkward. Whereas if you just, in my opinion and my um, sort of, the way things have gone for me, if you just start the conversation with, okay, how about before we even work on anything? uh, How do, how do you want to do this? It's that simple. Exactly. Yeah. Starting with the base. Totally. You know, it's like, at least you know where where you're coming from versus like, it's the worst when you've created something that's super cool and you know, it's going to be great. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly like one person decides that basically they're just going to be a greedy bastard, you know? And you go yeah. like, well, I just don't care about this song anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a crappy feeling, man. Yeah. To me, like, to me, I think sometimes you like splits are also a way to preserve relationships yeah. and like, like work relationships. So maybe, maybe you did write, you know, 70% of that song, but you feel that, you really want to work with this person again, it may be more fair to take a 50-50 split 
it, you know, if you want to preserve relationships, not always, but it, you know, it's also like a form of like, Hey, I really respect you. And I want to keep this up. If we just do a 50, 50, you know, you know, is that cool? I, I've, I've been in situations like that and it, I wasn't offended. I was like, you know, we both put in a ton of effort on this and maybe, yeah, I did vocals, guitar, bass, and then you only did drums, but those drums made a huge difference in the yeah. song. And I really appreciate that in the effort you put in. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's about, you know, preserving relationships too and, and being able to openly talk about it. Yeah, I agree. That makes a big difference. Very much so. And you know, something that I talk about to some, some of my friends haven't really spoken about it on the podcast much is like, you've got to consider sweat equity. You know, yeah. sometimes music's such a weird thing. You know, it's like you as the artist, you're probably putting in a bit more than everybody else. And I'm stereotyping, of course, for purpose of mm-hmm. the, the example, but you're putting in a bit more, you're probably putting a bit more money in, you know, yeah. you're the one taking care of all the social media. You're the one doing this, designing products. There's so many different assets and stuff created because you are the artist. and. Yes. Sometimes people think because of that, okay, well, this is all mine. And they don't seem to consider, well, okay, you might be doing all that, but that other dude behind you, he's on the road with you all the time and he never complains. And that guy, he provides the rehearsal room and he never complains. Oh, and he's always on, always on time and he never complains and he helps you carry gear and he never, never complains. And he, yeah, he didn't contribute much to that song, but You've got to consider these things. It's no different to, you know, if you were in a position, and some people are, but if you're in a position that you can pay somebody a salary and go, okay, I'm going to pay you a retainer each month and you just be available for everything I need and that's all you're going to be involved with, that's a different Mm -hmm. situation, you know? But like, if you're trying to build this product up together, it's best to just treat the people that are trying to build that with you with some kind of, I don't even want to say respect, but some kind of, just show them that you appreciate them. You know, it's, yeah. it's really well, simple. Was- I'm not saying you've got to give away like everything you own, but, no. but it just, it does blow my mind how, how different that seems to be thought of across the board, you know? A hundred percent. And I, I've seen artists like, cause I, I think of myself as an artist, not a band, yeah. but I have great backing musicians that, oh my gosh, like they're just, yeah. And you know, I, I've seen artists like in similar situations that have backing bands treat their backing bands just like total garbage. Oh, yeah. Like, see it all at, the time. Like, they, yeah, they won't know. There's no respect there. They, you know, everyone gets in. They don't talk to each other. They play the show. They go home. They, they don't help each other break down. None of that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought what my band did was like the norm. So seeing that was like a big, like, shock factor. I'm like, wow, like, how, why do they still play with you if you're like total, like, butt crack you yeah. know yeah <laughs> like, like i don't i don't get it because like i tried to show my van that i i absolutely appreciate them and like you said like you know showing up time that's like that's a huge thing of it like they show up time to rehearsals they come to rehearsals not like rehearsals at least for me i can't afford to do paid rehearsals right yeah. now where i'm at so like they show up to rehearsals for free but they get paid for shows but they show up to rehearsals for free like and i am so grateful for uh, for that and Obviously, if they're doing all of this, they believe in the project, whether it's in my name or it's a band name, it, it means so much. So, I mean, we, I try to make sure that they know that I really do appreciate them. And, you know, I put them on my social media and I try to tell people about them and check out, you know, some of their solo stuff. But yeah, they're, they're fantastic. And I, I, uh, I never want to take that for granted. That's amazing, man. Just value. Value is the word I should have used earlier. 
you know? Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Showing value. All right, I want to talk about two of your songs, but I, again, I don't want to spend too much time because I want to respect your time. Oops, I hit yeah, my no, mic stand. My great. bad. Um, so I was listening to a bunch of your music this morning and all great, really cool stuff, but I wanted Thanks. to ask about two things because I think if I perceived them how I am hoping that mm-hmm. I think they might be uh, relatable to this conversation. So first song, Everybody. Yes. Is that song about the music industry? Yes, 100%. Woohoo! Okay, so talk to us a little bit about that because the, the narrative there sounds as though a lot of people kind of see that you're doing quite well and that success is kind of already there and it's probably going to get bigger. And it sounded to me as though you got a lot of different people wanting their piece of the pie and you just kind of want to be playing your guitar. That's kind of the vibe yeah. I got. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, at that time too, that, I think that was on my third album. Yeah, I, I, on that for that song, when I wrote that originally, I was feeling really overwhelmed because there's like as an independent artist you have to do like like we just talked about you have to do so many things yourself like merch design social media responding to comments you know talking to fans and like none of it's like oh i have to do this like it's awesome but there's so many things you have to do at once you know and keep on top of like by yourself and like my mom was awesome because she she helped manage some of my um, facebook messages when i was younger um but like now like i mean most of it's just by myself so managing that was just crazy yeah. <laughs> and it always felt like oh like everyone's saying oh you have to do this you have to do this and i know a lot of people feel that way not even in the music industry but just in life in general it always feels like we have to be pulled in ten thousand different directions and we have to talk to everyone and cater to everyone and you know so so they don't like hate you yeah. <laughs> and you don't get a bad rep you know i never want to be known as like as someone who's mean or like ignoring people and all of that and at that time, I was so worried that I was going to be seen as that because I was falling behind on like some messages and like more like like my, my Facebook page and everything was growing, and so more was being put on the list to do. And and in this industry, like like it's always great to 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 be connecting with fans and talking to them. Um, so I was doing that a lot, but I I just felt like I wasn't doing it enough, which is still like a and I guess an individual like mental thing, but. Um, yeah, that song kind of stemmed from that, and uh, yeah, the industry too. But the end—I mean, it plays a big role in in all the things that we have to do as independent artists. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's kind of kind of how I felt. So, and I, I even then, like trying to keep up with friends too. I think when I wrote that, I was definitely drifting away from a lot of my like high school friends and just friends in general. Like, I think I, I don't have a lot of friends now. Most of my friends are like my band members. Yeah, <laughs> and, well, that's uh, how it works. So. Yeah musicians and stuff but it's it's uh like close friends like it really shrunk so i felt like damn like i can't even like connect with my friends as much as i wanted to uh but yeah that's i wrote that song because of that and i think a lot of people could have could relate to that too so totally yeah and you know just to go on the friend thing and and i'm saying this just because i'm older than you and don't take this in a condescending way but what what you'll realize is you're trying to chase a dream that only one percent of the world actually make money as professional musicians so it's a super super hard vocation you know 
anyone who thinks it's easy is completely, completely wrong. I don't care if that makes me sound a bit dickish to say it's a hard career. No, and, it is. And, and and what what you'll what you'll see, and it, it sounds like you already have, is because you're trying to chase this dream where the average person goes and gets a job, not to say that they hate that job, but they get a a nine to five kind of job and they fall into these typical, what we'll call typical situations. You know, they, they work Monday to Friday, nine to five, they have a social life, this and that, this and that. We don't really have social lives. You know, I I find it funny. I always see people post these things go, yeah, it's the weekend. (laughs) And I'm always thinking weekend. (laughs) I haven't had a weekend in like 25 years. What you talking about, you know? Exactly. Because we, I mean, we work weekends a lot too. It's that's, the that's biggest the time for time. us to work, you know? And and so it's like, <laughs> and like you land up missing like these really important things. You you miss weddings and anniversaries and birthdays and Christmases yeah. and, and all these things. And it's not a personal thing. So if anyone's listening to this, think like, and, and maybe aren't musicians, but just listen for the entertainment value. Like, yeah. it's really not a personal thing. It's we have to make money and try and get ahead in our own lives too. So like, we're not trying to miss all your personal things. It's just, yeah. it's just the way it goes, you know? Exactly. I mean, I've had, I've had many relationships fail because of that. And they couldn't, they didn't understand that. Like, you know, they, you know, you oh, please come to this frat party on Saturday. Well, I am working Saturday. I'm, you know, I'm gone Saturday and, yeah. and all that. It just, and that, nothing ever worked out because, it was such a different lifestyle, you know, than it's, it's like, it's basically long distance. Even if you're in the same city with someone, whether it's a friendship or a relationship, it's always going to be like a simulated long distance relationship because you have touring and be on the road. And even if, you know, like you have to make your own deadlines too. So Yeah. yeah, you may have a, you may have two weeks free, but those two weeks, you know, you set aside because, oh, you really want to get that album done. You yeah. have to get that album done. And, you know, you can't be, you know, like going out in, every night and, and partying because you scheduled that time to work. And that's the thing. Like, there's, like I said, there's no regulations in this industry. So it's you know, like, it's not like a nine to five. There's no like rules. There's a lot of all kinds of things that could be taken different ways. But like we make our own schedules, which usually those schedules are crazy as heck because we're setting our own deadlines, you know, like, Oh, by this year, I want to be this big and have this many fans. And I want to have this many albums out. And that puts like a lot of strain on, on schedules and, and, and weeks and, and days. And yeah, completely. And just to add to that for one second, I think another thing that often gets overlooked is because you're gigging at nighttime, people think you just sleep all day. And while a lot of musicians do just sleep all day and do a bunch of other things that maybe they (laughs) stereotype us all with, but Mm -hmm. it's like when you're trying to be an artist and you're writing and recording and practicing and working on social media content and, 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 that's a full-time job. So you're doing this full-time job all day and then you go play every night. It's like to have a social life is super hard, which leads me to the next song, Friend Zone. Yes. (laughs) I'm guessing that, well, I mean, that that song could have a few different avenues, but I wanted to ask about it mostly because having relationships in, having relationships, whether they're friendship or or personal uh, relationships is so hard. And now we kind of just touched on that, but is that where that song's coming from? Absolutely. Yeah. I was really fed up with that one was romantic relationships and I was so fed up with them. I, you know, I was kind of like, it was, it was a thing where if I, if I put someone in the friend zone, like just 
that's what I guess what it's called. But like if I if I just say I want to be friends, which was with a lot of different people at that time, I just want to be friends. I just want to be friends. Nothing more. Then I got made the bad guy, <laughs> and I was so upset that like okay, well if I friend zone people, then I'm the bad guy. Like if I you know say no or if I don't want to do something or I I you know I, I don't want to be with someone, you know then I'm terrible so i should have said yes question mark like that's yeah. kind of i was really upset about that that like i couldn't just be like no that i i, I don't want to do that and like they'd be okay with it it was always yeah it was always like me being the villain so i i, I felt i was just really frustrated so i wrote that song because because of that and yeah <laughs> cool cool yeah okay aaron if you were starting out now knowing mm-hmm. what you know what would you do differently, if anything? Or likewise, what would you sort of tell listeners who are trying to get into music and trying to get out there on how to get out there, knowing what you uh, know now? Yeah. Um, I would have learned how to use my doll software like way, way earlier than I did. I mean, I still started early, but oh my gosh, if I would have known how to use Pro Tools when I was like 14, the amount of money I would have saved on albums and, you know, the amount of time I could have put in by writing and recording at the same time would have been magical. So I definitely recommend like learn a doll software, whether it's Logic, it's Reaper, it's like Pro Tools, Ableton, whatever, learn any of them and use it, like use it all the time. And I know like some people like will write songs like with an acoustic guitar and like the vocals and then go record it. I personally love like recording and writing at the same time. So like, I'm, you know, like, okay, I'm coming up the drum part. Cool. Got that recorded. Cause I don't have a band behind me all the time to be able to, you know, write stuff or, Hey, try this while I write this over it. So it's like having, you know, as many tools at your fingertips as possible. So I definitely want to learn that earlier. Cause I think that would have helped further along ideas and all that. But, um, yeah. And then two, uh, if you're just starting out, like go to as many open jams and open mics as possible and like just network. Cause I know a lot of artists that don't want to do that because they're either shy or they think they're too good for it. But like, Oh my gosh, that was the best thing I did when I was younger. Cause I got to meet people and yeah, most of them were like three times my age, but I had so much respect for them because they taught me so many lessons, like not just like, you know, theory and theoretical and like music things, but actually like how to run a band and what it's like to manage people and how to have that skill of running a band. Cause that takes a lot of effort and a lot of, a lot of certain skills that not a lot of people have, you know, it's just like being a manager at like a corporation or something. Yeah. It's very similar, you know, cause you have to take account for people's feelings, you know, their lives, like you're in charge of some of their incomes, you know, like, like you're providing that to them. So uh yeah so that's uh that taught me a lot like going to open mics and open jams because i met a lot of people that's how i put together some of my first bands that's how i got in bands i i was playing in a classic rock band when i was really young um and that taught me a lot and i was playing in a bluegrass band when i was young at the same time and that taught me a lot so it was just cool to network with different genres too and different people in different genres so it's yeah it just doing that and networking with as many people as possible is awesome. It's so important. I agree. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Last question. Yeah. Um, people always seem to get a little thrown, so if you need a second or so, by all means, okay? Okay. Um, what do you think has been the best piece of advice you've ever received 
in regards to your musical career? Let me think about that. There's been a lot of good things, a lot of good good pieces of advice. Hmm. I think I think the best piece of advice, and I can't remember who told me this, but I think it's been a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, but they're saying the same thing, is just keep moving forward in what you're doing. Like, try not to, like we said, like, try not to imitate other people too much. Like, definitely take inspiration from them, but, you know, sometimes the best things that come out are, like, super raw, and, like, keeping, maintaining that raw, that rawness is what makes you you, and what makes you, like, your sound. So, yeah, I think just trying to, trying, trying not to <laughs> be someone else. <laughs> and that's, it sounds really cliche, but like it, it's, it's, it's a good reminder every now and then to, to go back to that. I think that's been the best advice. And like also like fake it till you make it. Like that's been good advice too. Because <laughs> like uh, it's so easy to, uh, to get wrapped up in like, oh, like I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But like focus on what you are doing and be confident in that. Like you're doing that. You're, you're playing guitar. That's awesome. You're awesome. Just take that and run with it versus, Oh, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this, you know? Yeah. So yeah. That's awesome. Aaron, thank you so much for your time. I'll put links to your music in the show notes. Uh, everybody should totally go and check Aaron out. She's awesome. And, um, I hope to see you out there, man. Thanks for taking the Heck time. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'm looking forward to writing this, uh, co-writing this song with you too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Next time, we'll, we'll get you on again. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, I'll Thank talk to you, you soon. Bye. Bye. All righty. There we have it. Erin Coburn, everybody. I would like to thank Erin for her time. I would like to thank each and every single one of you for your time. Thanks for continuing to listen to the scars and girls and any identification pronoun that you would like to uh, identify as is okay with me I appreciate you all and um, as usual please leave us a rating or review I appreciate it basically I'm all about the appreciation today ladies and gentlemen today and every day because without appreciation you got nothing nothing alright I'll talk to you all next time rock and roll Keep it real. Peace.